Welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is episode 42, and let us be the first to wish you a happy new year. The happy new year episode. This is this is Jay Chima with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. One, the Puma. Yeah, dude. What's happening, everybody? Happy freaking New Year for those listening to you uh, to the episode right here. Uh, I kind of kicked off the little New Year celebration a little early, had a little bit of tequila on the rocks, so just bear with me. It's going to be a fun episode here. Before we start, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did Mama Silva and Aunt Cookie enjoy the less cursing? They appreciated it. They liked it a lot. Did they? They did. They All did. Right. They, they they liked the, 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 the F-bomb counter. That was good. Right. They appreciated it a lot. You were in good shape with the, uh, the Silva Ohana. All right. Well, I'm excited about that one. Keep all the fans happy. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, from, I have a little bit of a body mouth. A little bit of a body mouth. I do. Okay. I do. I haven't told that before as well. And it's really hard for me sometimes even at work to, like, not curse, you know? See, I'm, you know, before I took the job in aviation, I, I worked at a middle school. And, you know, there were times where I had to, like, bite my lip really hard of, like, mm-hmm. hey, I can't swear. And then, like, my first day of the job, it was, like, F this and F that. I was like noun, vowel, and adjective. All right, you're I don't it right. know. I don't know how you people do it, and by you people, I mean teachers or people in like the education business. Because we got to lead by example. Jay. Dude, uh, if I, I was, can't tell the kid, if, don't listen, swear. If, I'm if I was a teacher, no, not even that. Like I just don't understand how like mentally every single day you can go in and like teach these bratty little shitty kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, if I was a teacher, I would literally punt a kid out of the window see, like three hours in. See, here's the thing: is like you know, my mom could attest to this. Like the the elementary school kids, yeah. and even like the upper elementary school kids, like the fifth and sixth graders, not so much the fifth and sixth graders, but like everyone else under that, you can just look at them, like just give them the look. Yeah. Like if they're fucking up, like yeah, I, that's one, that's, that's one, one, that's one. And it wasn't Shay. <laughs> it wasn't me. But if they're like. If they're screwing up, they're acting out, you can just give them the look. And they'll, yeah. like, look back at you being like, yeah, yeah. I messed up. Like, I'm, I'm going to straight, I'm going to tighten up. Well, but I always. Middle school, dude, it's like yeah. everybody's pushing back. It's like, yo, don't yeah. do this. You imagine high that. school. I mean, I remember how bad a kid I was in high school. And I couldn't really imagine how much worse it would get. Dude, so. there were times when I worked in the school district. And, and I would come home because I lived with my parents at the time. And I would come home and I'd be like, mom, dad. Like, I'm just apologizing for anything I did in my middle school years <laughs> because I did not, like, looking at these guys, was like, I might have been bad, but was was I that bad? Well, like, I, I get it. Like, it's it's cool to mold young minds, but, like, I've heard, obviously, like, the pay is shit for teachers, right? Oh, I was in it for the money. No, the pay was a joke. Exactly. So, like, why would you put yourself... The pay was a joke, and I lived in a state without an income tax. Well, like, why would you put yourself through that stress every single day and not get compensated for it? You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. Listen, at the end of the day, I'm in it to make money. Like, I want to be successful and make money. That's what we're all about. We're all about that greed, right, at the end of the day. Yeah. The people that are in the education business and the people that are in the medical business, obviously, medical people get paid a lot more. But those people have a certain, like caring nature to them like you have to be a nurturer at heart to right. kind of go through those professions for me it's all about just like I'm trying to get as much of it as possible you know what I'm saying but like those people are a completely different breed and, I, and it always fascinated me that they can like do that job and not get paid a lot of money like even doctors yeah down the road 20 years you get your own practice you make a lot right. of money but when you're starting out you're not making that great money you know and you're touching people like I mean <laughs> like in a non-sexual way I could never touch somebody in a non-sexual way you know what I'm saying wow that's <laughs> You know, I'm, not, I'm gonna say that. Like, comment. imagine all the filth that comes through an ER. You know what I'm saying? 
Could you imagine that? The worst of what Bill Cosby did. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a fun episode, people. I know I'm one. a shady people. I get it. People are judging. Whatever. Whatever. Who cares? It's, listen, it's New Year's. I kicked listen, it off. I'm the, I'm the Don Lemon of the podcast tonight, folks. This is gonna be a good time. Listen, I'm a little cranky. Right. Cr- why are you cranky, Jay? Why, 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 Jay, we're about to kick off 2020, baby. We're about four, we're episode 42. We're about to be a year in the podcast. Dude, why are we cranky? I, I didn't have much sleep last night. Like, oh. the insomnia bug hit me hard last night. To the point where I was just like, oh, my God. I was, like, on YouTube. Were you, like, thinking about shit? Like, your brain's been shut off? Well, here's what, I, here's what I messed up. I left work. Right. Um, And it was leading yesterday, right? Yep. So I got home. And I just stayed in. I didn't go out and do anything. So when I sat down on the couch, I just took a nap immediately. Like at 5.30 to like 7.30. Oh, was, there was your fucking problem. There was my yep. problem. That's Pick two. Off, That's two. two. Oh. <laughs> the F-bomb counter. That's two. Yeah. Who, who's cursing over here? JG was a saint. Yeah, it's all right. It's New Year's. I'm a couple of tequilas <laughs> on the rocks in. All right. So So I took my nap. I woke up at like 7.30-ish, right? And uh, around 11-ish, I'm trying to go back to sleep. Nothing happening, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? So I started watching some YouTube videos. Oh, you went down the rabbit hole, my friend. And the worst part is I went down the rabbit hole of the worst mass murderers of the 20th century. Oh, wow. <laughs> Why do I feel like this is a podcast game now? Like, it's not a guess podcast the game. Count. It's not. Well, you know what? Let's do it. I have three names here, right? Okay. And I want you to guess. And I, and I want you to guess what their number was, like, total, like, kills, Jesus. right? Happy New Year, folks. And you will be shocked that... You think, like, we'll start with Hitler, right? Hitler is a popular one. People it's, think, you know, right? Two million people. No, well, he kicks, he killed, like, six million Jews, but in total, they estimate around 12 million people he right, killed, right? Right, when you factor in, like, the gypsies and all, every everybody else that Still he had a problem with. Still not bad as Stalin. Oh, Stalin, dude. You had Holodomor, yep. like, the famine in the Ukraine. Yep. You had the Roughly three purges. 23 million people he killed, yep. right? Have you heard of a guy by the name of Chairman Mao? Yeah, he had the Great Leap Forward. He had the Cultural Revolution. He Did killed you? like freaking half the population. He killed 65 million people. Uh-huh. I had no idea this person existed, right? And you to didn't give know you guys, about Mao Zedong? I had no, ad, I had no idea. I had no idea China from like 1949 to 1976 was when Chairman Mao was running supreme over there. Yeah. Was like slaughtering whole cities just because he didn't like the way they were progressive yeah. or their mindset or if they had any sort of revolt, you know? Well, in World War II, like... Uh, Mao Zedong and General Chiang Kai-shek, like, they were fighting. They had the Chinese Civil War. They put their stuff on pause when the Japanese invaded. And then next thing you know, when the war's over, Chiang Kai-shek is retreating to freaking Taiwan. And then Mao Zedong takes over mainland China. Dude. Dude, he would cut. He was crazy. He would would execute people. He would obviously imprison people. And he would put people to work. But he would also, like, cut off, like, um, trade or like food mm-hmm. routes into cities and just starve people to death. Yeah, sixty-five million people, bro. Uh-huh. And like he was creating this perfect like Chinese image of a of a like whatever they call the Chinese uh, Communist Party, whatever the, whatever his uh, whole like. He's he, he was like he was like the uh, the Chinese version of Hitler. He's trying to make a certain image of all the people, right? right? And he's just exterminating people that didn't look like what he thought in his mind was. So yeah, after being terrified for three hours about Chairman Mao. <laughs> I had some pretty bad nightmares, right? Oh my god! <laughs> I'm watching these these documentaries on YouTube, just uh, just luring people away, man. It was a rough night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, hey, if you want a good time, you can just Google <laughs> Pol Pot, like call it a day. <laughs> you know, I went to sleep around like two thirty in the morning, 
tossing and turning. Kind of wish I had like nah. What's that disease? Uh, neck. Nah, nah, nah. Nah. What is that? Uh, narcolepsy. Narcolepsy. Fall all the time. Yeah, yeah. I almost said something else. <laughs> what you almost say? Uh, nothing. <laughs> Syphilis. Uh, uh, no, something else. I actually had pull a Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, I actually had a teacher back in high school that had that had that disease. Narcolepsy. Yeah, she was a history teacher and she'd be teaching and literally like halfway through her sentence she'd just like. Go out, bounce off the fucking. Oh, there's wow. one. There's one. Wow. <laughs> She'd bounce off the desk, and we'd be like, "Oh, are you okay? Are you okay?" First time she did it to us, we all freaked out. We're yeah, like, you did. Oh, she yeah, have like a stroke, oh. right? Yeah, right. Exactly. But she like she just gets back right. We're like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I just, I happen sometimes." Okay, and then move on. You know, I'm like, wow. Now it's a party. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. But that was my night, Ben. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad. You're, I'm glad you're good. Uh, yeah. The fans are glad you're good. Yep, yep. You know, it's a good time. Yep, yep. So, how's things on your end, man? Not bad, not yeah. bad. You know, uh, just plugging away, making it through work, yeah. winning, uh, winning one fantasy football league, oh losing to another. Uh, you know, the person I lost to in the in the office league, I didn't feel that bad about because he just became a father. Uh, Blake Edwards just became a dad. Uh, Caleb uh, Caleb Scott was born about two days ago, so. Yeah, kid came out at like I think it was like nine pounds and dude, super like chubby. Ounces. He's a big. Kid. Well, you know whose birthday he shares, right? He shares a birthday with you, my friend. He shares a birthday with Jay Chima. Yes, sir. That's fucking dope, dude. Uh huh. Sharing a birthday with greatness. Yep. But uh, yeah, no, everything, uh, everything's good. Family's good. House is good. Toilets finally fixed. It's a good time. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you're doing good. You're doing good. Um, let's start this episode, and we will start. With a little bit of accountability. Yes. Be- accountability time, Jay. Before the season started, myself and DePuma sat down and we said, hey, this is six teams making into the playoffs for each division. I'm sorry, each conference. And this is who we believe will be in the Super Bowl. Now, looking back at our picks, so we whiffed on some picks. <laughs> I did. We- I guess I don't know about you because I know like one of the one of the leagues we have the same percentage, but like I know I did better with the AFC picks mm-hmm. than the NFC. Mm-hmm. I whiffed big time on the dude, NFC. Dude, on the NFC, I'm like, dude, did you watch football? Like, yeah. there's some pretty I bad whiffed. picks there, bro. I whiffed big time. I can I it's accountability time. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Well, let me pull up my uh, my picks real quick, and while I do that, you can go ahead. And All right, so my uh, my picks. The AFC East, I, I know for a fact we both took the Patriots. Yep. That was the chalk. Yep. Uh, the North, I took Baltimore. I was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid for Cleveland. And then I kind of came to my senses and was like, you know what? I, I like what Baltimore's doing. I like what I heard out of, out of training camp. I went with Baltimore. Did you go with Baltimore too? In the North, I went with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I went with Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, and one can say if Ben didn't get hurt and the amount of good defense they played That's this valid. year, they could have been up there. But if Ben didn't get hurt, do they make the Minka Fitzpatrick trade? Mm, true, That's true, the other, That's true. the other side of the coin. Uh, the, uh, the AFC South. I whiffed on this. I picked the Indianapolis Colts even after the fact. When I kind of got the mulligan, you're like, you were saying to me, hey, you can, we can redo the picks for the AFC South. I still liked what I saw out of Frank Reich. I like I, I like J- uh, Jacoby Brissett. I whiffed on that pick. Uh, I'll, and I'll give you mine as well. We'll just kind of do it like yep. that where I just give you mine as well. On the AFC South, I got the Texans. And for me, it was fairly easy, man. Like, I get it. Like, Jacoby Brissett's a good quarterback. But he's not Andrew Luck. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And towards the end of the year, you saw that sputter. Like, yep. towards the end of the year, you were the like, defense that, came back down to earth. Like, that team right there could have won that division if they had a good quarterback. 
Um, so yeah, go ahead. Uh, the West, I picked Kansas City. Same. What so we went with the chalk. No issue there. Uh, on the wild card, I was the conductor of the Buffalo Bills train, mm-hmm. uh, and I whiffed on the Los Angeles Chargers. I had the mm-hmm. Chargers getting another wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Did I overlook the Tennessee Titans? Then again, we were all expecting Mariota, Mr. Glass, to be playing. Yep. But that's I'm owning that. I had the Chargers at number five, whiffed on that as well. Yep. They didn't realize those guys were going to implode. They still have a great roster. I mean, they at the end still of the day, made a wild card two, until four weeks ago. Exactly. Two, like besides Philip Rivers and turning the ball over. Like, listen, it goes the worst quarterback in the NFL this year is Jameis Winston, right? The 30 for 30. What if I told you? The 30 for you? 30 guy, right? But I think close to it in regards to interceptions is Philip Rivers, man. The guy is obviously great. And we love him. And fighting all that but he just turns the ball over way too much nowadays yep and then number six i completely whiffed on this the cleveland browns i bought into the hype i yep. bought into the whole team just ascending and you know Dude, taking just to think and we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit we're going to recap the the black monday and black tuesday edition but man vegas was drinking the kool-aid hard mm-hmm. i think what was it cleveland and i i almost bought into that as well too i almost had the one of the division on paper that that roster was stacked Man, they whew, they came back down to earth on the first quick, game. Quick, quick. Yep. Uh, moving over to the NFC. You got the NFC. Lead on, the lead. on the NFC, uh, I have the number one pick being the NFC South with the New Orleans Saints. Um, who'd you have for the NFC South? Uh, the NFC South. <laughs> I whiffed. I went with Atlanta. Oh, my God. Yep. Uh, number two, a seed, I have the Green Bay Packers, which actually panned out, right? They have the number yep, two the pick? the Packers right now. Yeah, they have yep. the number two uh, yep, pick, yep. seed. I went with the Chicago Bears. Out of the NF- that too. NFC North. Okay, okay. Uh, NFC East, I had the <laughs> the Cowboys coming out of that. And it was close till the end. Close. <laughs> it was close. Fly, Eagles, fly. I had the Philadelphia Eagles winning that division. Yeah. Out of the NFC West, I had the field of the uh, Seattle Seahawks. I um, mean, <laughs> close as well. They were an inch away. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, I whiffed big time. I had the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. That was the one team I was big on being a Super Bowl hangover. Yep. In the end of the year. And my two wild cards were the Carolina Panthers, which is obviously they imploded at number five seed, but I got the number six seed right with the Vikings. Yep. So. I went with the Vikings. Aaron, the Vikings fan, we, we went with the chalk a little bit. Oh, I talked to Aaron, the Vikings fan today. Oh, yeah? How's Aaron doing? I'm like, bro, how are you looking forward to this game? He's like, I'm not even going to watch. I know it's going to happen already. Yo, Aaron, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm going to put some wind in your sails when we get to the game picks. But on the wild card front, I had the Vikings as well. And I, I guess you could kind of count it as a hit. I had the New Orleans Saints. But, uh, no, I mean, the AFC side, I hit, like, 67% of the picks. I think if you hit on 67% of the picks in the AFC as well, too. Uh, Big whiff from the NFC. I went with – I hit – I was batting uh, 30%. Oof. So – Woo! That was a bad day at the office for the NFC, but – I had 67% of the NFC as well. Yep. Yep. Um, in the Super Bowl, I had the Patriots versus the Saints. Um, Listen, Saints have a good chance of making it. Not so much for my Patriots. <laughs> we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I, being a Patriots fan, obviously can't pick against them, and I'm going to keep my pick as is. I will still roll with the uh, I'll still roll with the Patriots versus the Saints in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I mean, I mean, I know it's not possible. Listen, I know I'm realistic. I understand. There's a good chance we won't make it, but when you're a Patriots fan and you know you've already made your pick, you might as well stick with it, right? Right. Fair enough. 
Uh, for the Super Bowl, my picks were the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. That could still happen. It could. And <laughs> Very unlike, unlikely, I'm, though. <laughs> I'm going to get to it for the Eagles' point of view. Yeah. I think they could be probably one of the more dangerous teams, along yep. with the Minnesota Vikings, yep. in the playoffs right now. Yep. At least in the NFC, because a lot of people are overlooking them. The NFL didn't even put them in the promo video for the playoffs. I think these two teams could make a lot of noise and could possibly make a run with how much they're being overlooked right now. I really like your Kansas City pick out of the AFC. Um, I know the hype is around the Ravens right now. Dude, that defense for Kansas City, though. The Kansas City defense has been coming alive the last six weeks, right? Typical and, Spagnolo defense. And the way you beat the Ravens, and I've been, I've been beating this drum for the last, like, seven weeks, you get up on them early, you get them out of their offense, you make sure they can't run, you make sure Lamar Jackson throws you into a lead, and I still do not believe Lamar Jackson can throw you 50 times into, like, six touchdowns in a lead. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he has that kind of firepower in him, but Patrick Mahomes does. And I believe the Chiefs are perfectly set up in the eighth championship game to go to Baltimore, get up early at 14-0, Freak them out, right? Freak out the Ravens and have them throw as much as possible and get them out of their offense. Right. And, you know, another part of the accountability is uh, early on in the season, we, we we started the podcast during the playoffs. And then we were continuing to do episodes in the offseason. And one of the moves I liked was when Andy Reid brought on Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. And the defense started off slow. Uh, but as of probably what, like the last four or five weeks, they've been the number two ranked defense mm-hmm. in the NFL. This is looking like a typical Steve Spagnolo defense. You can look back to the Super Bowl run, uh, the first time the Giants played the uh, the Patriot uh, the Patriots rather uh, in the Super Bowl, and that defense was flying all over the place. They were they were ball hawking, they were mauling the offensive line. And this is what the Kansas City Chiefs have been doing the last couple of weeks. And they're coming alive at the right time going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They have a bye week. Yep. And, the, you know, like, I like the Baltimore Ravens, but, I mean, Jesus. But I'm rolling with the Chiefs, right? Even I mean, if, I think the Chiefs are coming the out of the road, AFC. If Kansas City goes on the road to Baltimore, I think this defense can hang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. But all in all, man, we're super excited for the playoffs. They're right around the corner. Um, the first wild card weekend is uh, this upcoming Saturday. The first yep. games, right? It's, gonna be, it's a good slate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Myself, I'm gonna bring over my laundry, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna hang out with the Puma, yep. right? We're gonna watch some football, right? Um, let's start with our storylines from the past week, week 17. I only have two quick ones. We both have the same. Yeah, thing. we have the same one. So we'll just kind of run through this, it's right? The same thing. Yeah, and uh, the two storylines are gonna be the Patriots and their demise, right? <laughs> Essentially crumbling against the Miami Dolphins. And then talking about the coaching carousel, which a lot has happened. Uh, we'll hit on the Patriots first. Now, I had a rough weekend. You did. I watched Dude, it was my your birthday too. It was my birthday on the twenty eighth, right? Yeah. On the twenty eighth, the Buckeyes lost in horrendous fashion to the to the Clemson Tigers. I don't know if you watched much of that game. Now, I'm going to, full disclaimer, I didn't see the whole game, but yeah. I did hear about it. About did you watch that catch, no catch, fumble thing? I will say this, in my opinion. Dude, as much as I can't stand Ohio State, but I'm fair, and I will say this. That Clemson guy, that was a football move. That was a catch. That was a fumble. That should have been a stupid yep. score. That was three That was three steps that he took. 
Like, what else do you so need? So what else do you need? Like, is it not the three correct steps and how you liked it? Like, I don't understand that. Right. So that call along with J.K. Dobbins dropping a pass in the end zone for a touchdown. He dropped two passes in the end zone for touchdowns, yep. right? Um, is the reason why we lost that game. Now, the first thing that we can always go to is we can blame the refs, but I, w- I won't do that. Right. But I will say if J.K. Dobbins caught those passes and if Ohio State put the nail in the coffin in the first half, because we went down to the end zone three times in the first half and we scored nine points when we had field goals. Yeah. If you score those three touchdowns and you're already up 7-0, it's 28-0, and Clemson is not coming back from that. Once you have 28-0 on Clemson and you give Chase Young the go-ahead to tee off because they're going to throw every single down, it's a wrap. Like, there's no way in hell you're coming back from that. But... I gotta give it to Trevor Lawrence. The guy is absolutely great. He's a generational talent. He's gonna Sunshine. be the first, the first overall pick in the draft next year. He's gonna be great in the NFL as well. Um, gotta give it to Clemson. They're a great team. But we, I, I still believe, I will go to my grave uh, believing that we were the better team that night. I, I mean, if you watch that game, I, it looks, looks like you said you didn't. You can see the difference in speed and athletes. Gonna, I was just gonna ask you on the Ohio State front because I know. Ohio State had the ball. They had the last say. Like they could, they they won and lost. They on that they drive. could have won, but what happened was, and this is this is this is the mind-boggling thing are to ta- me. Are we talking about the pick? Because yeah, I was pick, just going to yeah. ask you what what do you think Fields saw? Did did the wide receiver so bust if you route? if you watch the if you watch that game, uh, the drive before in the fourth quarter on that same exact play, Olave went up and cut in, and it was a, a long developing play, but Olave stuck with the route. And that was a touchdown. Uh, Justin Fields saw what he liked. He saw that the linebackers were in the A-gas blitzing. There was nobody behind him, right? So Olave got behind the the linebackers and got the touchdown. Same thing happened again. But this time, Olave decides to break off the route. Oh, that's why he thought, Fields threw it straight to the guy. He thought, he thought that uh, Justin Fields was scrambling to the left for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know where the miscommunication came from. But if Olave kept going on that route, that was going to be a game-winning touchdown because that was the same exact play they scored a touchdown in a couple of drives before okay. that. Because he, I was like... Was, I, the second I saw it, I was like, he got him. He got him. It's game over. He throws it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Olave's not even in the vicinity. Like, yeah. dude, it was... If that, if he would have ran that route, we would have won that game. Because I saw the replay that yeah. was like... It's like a Philip Rivers right no, there. I'm like, I'm no, not going like, to well, bury has, Justin Fields. Well, he has that wherewithal to throw the ball before the receiver gets to that spot. Yeah. And if you watch the highlights in that game, um, and actually, you know what? Uh, this is some props, my boy, and I'll be very fair here. But Trent Dilfer was on Colin Cowherd the next day. He was talking about um, generational talents. And he said, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields are three generational talents at quarterback. Okay. doesn't mean that they're going to be great in the NFL, but generational meaning their size, their speed, their athleticism, it's one of the same. Justin Fields is actually a faster runner than Trevor Lawrence. I think he's actually faster than Tua as well. Mm-hmm. He's not there polishing the throwing game just yet, but he still has one more whole year to go. But I think Tua, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields, you'll see their names quite a bit in the NFL once okay. they get to it. Okay. Now, when's, uh, when's Field, Field will move Fields on? Fields is back for one more year. So he's, he'll be in the same, yeah. oh, he'll be in the same yeah. draft class as Trevor. Yep. So they actually they actually grew up 30 minutes apart in Georgia. Oh, they that's went right, to they went Fields to the same Georgia guy. They went to the same uh, elite eight. I'm sorry, elite eleven training camp with Trent Dilfer. Okay, they're the same guy coming out from the same region of the country with the same f- football pedigree. One went to Clemson, one went to Georgia. Um, for some reason, Georgia didn't work out for uh, Justin Fields. He transferred to Ohio State, and the rest is history. Right. But these two guys are going to be linked at the hip. They're going to be the one and two probably next year. Okay, so it'll be All a good right. time next year as well. Um, okay, and so after that, I sit down to watch my Patriots on Sunday, right? I'm thinking, you know what? 
This is an easy game against the Miami Dolphins. This should be cake. And next thing you know, it's not cake. Now, quick segue. I, I was up with the folks. I, I went up with uh, I went up with Tara. I went up with Marcus. Went up to New Hampshire Friday night. I hung out with uh, with my best man for the for the upcoming wedding, Mike and his family and friends. And I had my Dolphins hat on, and everybody was dogging me, being like, "Yo." Dolphin, dolphins going down, squish the fish, and all that other stuff. And I was squish like, the fish, I like and that. I was like, listen, I'm a realist. If you want to beat the Dolphins, we have no op, we have no, we can't stop the run, and you can throw on us. Like if mm-hmm. you're ever gonna do a tune up game, yep. it would be this mm-hmm. week. I expected no lie, Sony Michelle to get. He's probably, a bum. Probably, He's bum. I'm done with 20, Tony Michelle. Twenty. I, I I'm done telling, with Tony Michelle. I was telling my my boy Brian Riggy, uh, best friends with uh, with my best man uh, Mike, and I was I was telling Brian, I was like, listen, you want to win on Sunday? Twenty touches to to Sony Michelle for 120 yards and two touchdowns. You're gonna win because we can't stop the run. Yep. We sure as shit can't stop the pass. This should be an easy tune-up game. If you're going to tweak the run game before you go into the playoffs, yep. this is it. And, well, man, this was, I was wrong. Listen, first of all, the Patriots lost to the Dolphins 27-24. Let's get that out of the way in case you didn't watch the game. This was the worst regular season loss in the Brady-Belichick dynasty. Uh, like obviously re- regular season, not, like not even still. Yeah, I mean regular it's up season. There. Regular 0-3 season against the Buffalo Bills is close. Now the Finns were a seventeen point underdog. Uh-huh. That's what I can't get over. They're a seventeen point underdog. This is you gonna go into the playoffs coming off of a big win against the Bills, fine tuning and kind of that refining your spread, offense. That point spread says just get out of the locker room, mm-hmm. show up with the pulse, and you're gonna win. Yep. Now what's the most alarming thing to me is we already knew the defense, um, the offense was bad. But the defense did not show up one bit. The defense looked like it did not want any part of that game. And Devontae Parker was burning uh, Stephon Gilmore. Like, Devontae Parker was having a heyday. I forgot what his final stats were, but it was like... Funny you say that. I have that here. So, Devontae Parker, uh, he ended his day with... uh, He had like eight receptions for 136 yards. But seven of those were for 119, and that was just on Stephon Gilmore alone. It was Gilmore pretty bad. Gilmore got schooled big time by Devontae. And I, I legitimately thought, you know, with three minutes left, the Patriots, as bad as it was, Brady puts a drive together, gets them down in the end zone. We're up 24-20 with three minutes left. I'm like, all right, fine. Thank God. We're just going to escape here. And Fitzmagic and Devontae Parker light up our defense. They had, like, no issues at all moving, and that's the scariest part for me. Um... In regards to the offense, man, it's something we expected all year. Uh, just another bad performance. What more can he say? I literally just copy and pasted some of my old notes from like three weeks ago into Jay, my notes for today. <laughs> I'm going to ask you real quick on that pick six. It was the one. It was, it was the throw. first one was that Brady throw. threw. It was a bad throw. Who was he throwing? Like, was he throwing to Edelman? Was he throwing to Michelle? I have no it idea. looked like it was. Confusion amongst the route? Uh, it was more of like, he, he does this quite a bit. He does these frustration throws sometimes. Like, was it a cheap check down to Edelman and, and Rowe have, jumped the route? I have no idea. That's just a bad throw. He, 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 went, he went across the field. It was his late progression. Um, he was making his way back to the right. Um, when you make your way back to the right that late and you're throwing it that far from the hash mark to that end, like, it's not going to work out. It's just a bad throw by him at the end of the day. Um, but in regards to the offense as a whole, man, um, more of the same. Uh, bad play by Brady on the pick six. Um, a lot more drops from wide receivers. Sanu can't seem to catch anything. Samu, Every- that Sanu trait looks like a bust. Dude, he, he like Brady's hitting him in the hands, and he's dropping it. Now, you know I'll saying? say this. 
I'll say this. After that pick six, it was weird. Like, the Pats game was weird because after that pick six, it looked like they started to get a semblance of a run game. Like, Michelle mm-hmm. started to go. Rex Burkhead was getting a lot of runs. So that's my big point right there. I'm done with Sony Michelle. And then they went away from the run. I am done with Sony Michelle. They went 100- away from the run. Bill Belichick couldn't figure out what to do with timeouts. Sony Michelle ended the, the game with 18 carries for 74 yards. And he is just not seeing the holes like he used to last year. Like, the holes are there. And what I mean by that is when Rex Burkhardt got in the game, he ran six times for 48 yards. Like, Rex Burkhardt is seeing the holes better than Sonny Michelle is. I'm actually in favor of Rex Burkhardt starting over Sonny Michelle at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happened to Michelle. You put him on the fucking bench, all right? I'm sorry, I squared there. But, like, I just don't get it anymore, man. Yeah, I, do, I just... I was expecting, dude, I was amazed. I was expecting us to get blown out, us being the Dolphins. I thought this was going to be a tune-up game. You know, New England's going to win. They're going to get the bye week. They'll they'll be playing, you know, whoever is the, the lowest seed. They'll be going through Foxborough. And, man. Dude, we like, gave away the number two seed. Miami Think about that. Up. And you know what? For, the, for most of the game, and by most, I mean, even in the fourth quarter, up until two minutes left in the game, Miami was a better team on offense, defense, and special teams at times. Like, they were the better team, and that kind of leads to, unless you got more on the, the Pats. I no, got... I mean, I, I mean that's really it, man. Like, I just I just cannot believe this team is this bad. Like, I don't understand how we started at a no, and I get it, it was against bad competition, but we weren't losing to Miami in the beginning of the year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I get, it. I get it, Miami, I, I get it, Miami got better, but they didn't get that much exponentially better. You know what I'm saying? Like, we shouldn't be losing to Miami at this point of the game. Yeah. They, and that's they what's mean, freaking me two, out. Week two, it was week there's, two. There's something seriously wrong with this team, and I and I can't put my finger on it. Um, I will say this. I think even coaching, we're getting a little out-coached here. I think some things you see by Josh McDaniels and how he's putting game plans together, I don't know if this is a directive from Belichick or if Josh McDaniels is pulling the trigger here. Like, There's something with the coaching as well that's not in tune. So it's not just like, uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, we love it. Uh, Brady sucks. Get him out of the fucking league. He's an old man. Whatever. I get that. But there's a lot more to this whole team. You know what I'm saying? The issue is teams have figured it out that you double or you bracket Julian Edelman. And then he's he's fucked. And Julie, Julian Edelman, I guess uh, he's Mike, so banged up. Well, Mike Girardi was saying like his shoulder is yeah. banged up, like the shoulder is worse than people are expecting. He needs surgery, like, surgery, yeah. The, the knee issue, yep. like this is why this is why I don't have faith in the Bills because the Bills couldn't figure out that if you bracket Julian Edelman, the Patriots have nothing. They let they let Edelman go off the line, free releases all day every day, right? But every other team has it figured out that the second you bracket or you double Julian Edelman, it's a wrap for the Patriots, and that's what's happened. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting because uh, a lot, the lot, every time the the Pats have gone to the Super Bowl, they've had the first round course, bye, yeah. and when they played on Wild Card Weekend, it's not good. The last time like we played on Wild three, Card Weekend was the AFC Championship. Last time we played on the Wild Card Weekend was 2009 against the Ravens. And they got um, smoked. And we got smoked 33-14 or whatever it was. Yeah, Ray Rice ran wild. And that was the year. And that's funny I brought, up, I brought up that year because that year we also had a pretty shitty offense. But that offseason is when Belichick retooled that whole offense. He went out and got Gronk, got Hernandez. He went out and retooled that whole offense. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think maybe that's coming up here soon. I think we're going to be one. Uh, you know, listen, I think we're going against the Titans, but who knows anymore? Um, this could be a one-and-done team, and I think there's some major co- changes coming for the Patriots this offseason. From all, all facets, because Daniels yep. could be gone. The, uh, the Nick Casario, you have to expect, is gone. The scouting staff is gone. 
Brady could be gone. There's a lot going into it. And for my side, one of my storylines is the, the with the Miami Dolphins. Their future looks bright. They started the year off 0-7. They ended the year 5-4. and Throughout every game, you can scoff at, you know, how bad. Like, they might as well just stayed in the locker room against Baltimore. They got smoked out against the uh, the Pats. I think they lost 44 nothing, and they only had 137 like 43-0, yeah. 137 total yards on offense, but every single game, they've been showing progression incrementally every single game. They've been playing hard for Coach Flores throughout every step of the way. And listen, we were we recorded an episode immediately after Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills got traded, and I immediately said, this is an 0-17 roster. Yeah. We're, we're not going anywhere. It started out that way. We're, we're not going anywhere. We have, yeah, Devontae Parker looks great in training camp, but he's always the training camp hero. Uh, he racked up his first 1,000-yard season, so I'm owning up to that fact. But I think right now Coach Flores is the dose of medicine that this team needs. I think the future is bright with this guy. I understand it's only 17 games, but if you're willing to play hard for a guy, for a team – that is expected to be in tank mode, and you're winning five games, and Coach Flo is disregarding the draft pick where the draft yeah. lottery is. Yeah, yo, this team, this team's on the right track. They have the right core. I'm a big fan of the Christian Wilkins pickup. I think he could be the face of the the Miami Dolphins. I think he could be a Jason Taylor, a Zach Thomas kind of guy. We have a million draft picks. In the war chest, if we wanted to trade up this year, if we want to trade up the following year for a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or whoever, we're in the right position. We fired our offensive coordinator, uh, I think O'Shea. We we dusted off Chan Gailey. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to come back for one more year. I don't think we're taking a quarterback in the draft this season. But I think the future is bright with the Miami Dolphins, especially with how Devontae Parker's won. So, you know, I've said this a few times already, my absolute love for Tua, right? I think Tua, if healthy, and that's the big, big if here, if healthy is uh, it's like a Russell Wilson type of player to me, right? He has that smart intellect. He can make all the throws. He can move around. I'm sure his stature is small, but he's much more than just uh, fast legs and a big arm. You know, he comes from the Alabama system. Yeah. If they don't move up to get him, I think what you guys should do is you guys should obviously draft uh, offensive linemen, right? Oh, no doubt. And then how deep do you, is your second first round pick? Your first, let's say, let's say your first first round pick is a fifth, right? With with right now our individual pick, we're picking fifth, and then I think the Steelers pick is fifteenth. Yeah. And then the Texans, I think, is in the back half because yeah. they made the playoffs. If you can't get Tua, I would honestly say you guys should really consider Jalen Hurts. You guys really should consider mm. Jalen Hurts. I know. I don't want a quarterback. Listen. Listen. If listen. I'm the general manager, offensive line, defensive tackle. Well, you have, you, have, you have a bunch of picks. You can obviously go with the offensive line first, but then Jalen Hurts is going to be down there somewhere late in the first round. I tell you what, Jalen Hurts, from where he came from, I love quarterbacks that can be in big, um, smart rooms with Nick Saban and figure it out. Obviously, he got benched and Tua was much better than him. But I think Jalen Hurts is a perfect prototypical quarterback for the NFL. Big size, good arm, can move a little bit, but not a lot. Not like Tua, but just enough. Um, but I think Jalen Hurts is a potential dark horse deep in that in that uh, draft that could be a great quarterback. I'm not sold on Justin Herbert. Anybody can no, have him. Who Herbert cares? looked bad. And then the other kid. What's the other kid's name? Herbert Fromm. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Fromm either. Um, but I, 
out of all the uh, Joe Burrow's gonna go number one, but I think Tua and Jalen Hurts you gotta keep an eye on those guys. Or Jordan Love out of Utah State. I totally forgot about him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I haven't watched enough tape on him to know. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. That wraps up my segment on the Patriots. Do you have anything else for that? No, that's it. Okay. As let's... A Dolphins fan, listen. People can snark. A couple of people on Twitter, they were caught in their feelings a little bit about fantasy football, and they tried to take a little <laughs> shot about the Miami Dolphins. Oh, you and, need new friends, man. <laughs> and congratulations on a five and eleven season. And you know, you know what? You know, I am happy about a five and eleven season because this was an zero and seventeen roster, yeah. and we went five and eleven, yeah. and you lost at home. And no offense to you, yeah. But to those to those jackasses, you lost at home to a team that you should have oh, won by just showing up. We should have mopped the floor with you guys. We should have. Yep. It's, a, it's an embarrassing loss. How can Belichick and Brady look at themselves in the fucking mirror today? Yep. Here's my other thing with that. I will give you all the credit in the world. I think Flores has done a great job the last eight weeks. But let's chill with the offensive coach. Let's chill with the Coach of the Year award for, for Brady I'm not Flores. saying, listen. But there's, not no, saying, but there's hype out there, though. You understand where it's coming from, yeah, right? Yeah, and we're, we're saying that he deserves Coach of the Year votes. Like name me a name me a coach Mike with Tomlin. that roster that can get them to five wins. I we still have know, a problem. We, I still have a problem coming to the fact. Listen, you can, you can get the votes. Fine, I'll give you that. But I will not give him the trophy because he got five wins. We all I, know. I think Mike Tomlin with what he did. And I was gonna say we all know it's either Mike Tomlin or Sean Payton or even or John Harbaugh or even Harbaugh going out and figuring out that you gotta retool your whole organization on this kid and taking a chance and having that work out. Fine, give it to him as well. But I can't give it to a five and eleven team. Sure, I'll give him the votes. That's fine. But I'll say this: if you want to do another sports reference, the Chicago Cubs in the '80s—they were a joke. They were a joke. Andre Dawson won the NFL, uh, not the NFL because he didn't play football, but he won the MLB MVP award on a losing team. So it has happened in other sports. I'm not saying immediately give it to Brian Flores, yeah. but what the hand that he was dealt—you're yeah. trading the best players you have on your roster for draft picks. The front office is trying to be in tank mode, and you're trying to save your locker room by showing you're competitive and playing hard for you absolutely if he doesn't get votes that's a damn shame that's fine no uh, he'll get the votes man he'll be in that conversation but just i'd rather go to mike tomlin man with what he did with D- duck hodges who is this guy who's duck hodges fitzpatrick is 10 times better than duck hodges that's saying a lot you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying um but yeah i'll give it to mike tomlin but uh, that is all that i have for that segment my friend i will turn it over to you for the coaching carousel um uh, black <laughs> monday has come and gone um, all kinds of stuff is happening with coaches. People are getting fired. GMs are getting let go. Lots of rumblings going down, but I will give it to you. Right. And then we'll go from there. So uh, last week I went over possible landing spots for coaches uh, that may or may not be on the hot seat. Uh, and well, do, it, do you want to start with like who got fired first? Yeah, that's what I'm going okay. with. So Black Monday's come and Black Monday's gone. And right now the Cleveland Browns, they're looking for a new head coach. They fired Freddie Kitchens immediately after they lost to the, the Cincinnati Bengals, and it wasn't even much of a game. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals were in control for most of the game, from what I saw. Uh, they fired him immediately after the game. And then uh, John Dorsey and ownership parted ways today. We're recording on Tuesday evening. He parted ways about five hours ago. So they're looking for a new head coach and looking for a new general manager. The Giants fired Pat Shermer. They kept Dave Gettleman, but they're looking for a new head coach. The Washington Redskins, they cleaned house. They cleaned house. They finally cleaned house. Bruce Allen is gone. Ron Rivera is in as head coach. They're still looking into the general manager slash executive vice president of football ops. They might promote from within. 
But they have their man, and Jack Del Rio is about to be their defensive coordinator. Oh, really? Well. Wow. Yep. yep. They, uh, they, so they, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. Yep. What a power team, huh? So they're going to make that announcement. It's, it's going to be official tomorrow, but from what I saw from Rappaport and Schefter and J.P. Finley, uh, he's a local reporter out of Washington. Uh, it's going to be Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio is expected to be uh, Rivera's defensive coordinator. Uh, Dallas, they're... They're in a holding pattern. There is no rush just because Jason Garrett's contract expires in two weeks. Yeah. And all the top candidates are currently on playoff-bound teams. So you can't interview them if they're in a wild-card game. You can interview a couple of people if they're on a bye week right now. But they're in a holding pattern. I think Jerry Jones is doing uh, right by Garrett because he's been grooming Jason Garrett for the last 20 years. Uh, Albert Breer did a great uh, piece on this, I mean, documenting from even when Jason Garrett was a player, uh, you know, Jerry Jones would have Garrett sit in on coaches' meetings. He's been grooming this guy. He might as well be family to the Jerry Joneses of the world. Uh, so they're in a holding pattern. Jacksonville is holding on to their head coach and their general manager. Uh, What's that say about Jacksonville that they got rid of Coughlin but kept everybody else? They, What's that say about Coughlin? I mean, that says a lot. <laughs> all you have to do is look at that NFLPA press release two yep. weeks ago. Yep. I mean, when you're saying to free agents, you might want to think about coming down here. Mm-hmm. Some somebody's got to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Jacksonville, they're keeping Doug Marone. They're keeping Dave Caldwell. They'll be reporting directly to Shad Khan moving forward uh, into the 2020 season for personnel moves. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, obviously, they're expected to be in the market for uh, a new head coach. How about the Panthers imploding with Ron Rivera getting fired? Yeah, I mean, like, he I might get and it. Everybody folding. I get it, everybody folding. Everybody's, but like, it's not just Ron Rivera's fault. I think Ron Rivera's a great coach. I like so. Too. I have and lots of respect for him. I think Ron Rivera is exactly what the Washington yep. Redskins need. Yep. Yep. Good leadership. Yep. Not. John Gruden. Or Jay Gruden? John Jay Gruden. Whoever. One I of mean, Gruden Jay Gruden clowns. did the best he could with the chaos that he had. Yeah. But Ron Rivera is the guy now, that the doctor ordered. Now, I wonder if they're going to hire a GM, um, or will they take like Ron Rivera's input to hire that GM? I assume they will, right? So, reports, uh, I think, J, uh, I believe J.P. Finley of uh, NBC Sports Network in Washington, he was documenting this, that... Uh, Ron Rivera, he wants input in personnel moves, but he doesn't want to be in charge of the scouting department. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be the general manager kind of guy. Uh, I think they're going to provoke, promote from within. There were conflicting reports uh, in regards to one guy may or may not have been fired inside the Washington Redskins building. Uh, the guy's name is escaping me right now. Uh, but I think they're going to promote from within inside the building for a general manager position. Okay. All right. That's cool. Um, the other one that kind of took me by surprise was, listen, I get it. There's no rush to uh, fire Jason Garrett, but why? Why just kind of not get it over with, man? Like everybody knows what it is. I think I think Jerry Jones doesn't want to muddy his waters by firing Jason Garrett. I think he just wants his contract to run out on right. the 14th of January and let him walk. Now I've heard some reports that they're considering maybe keeping him inside the organization at a different move. If they keep him, it's just to be the puppet master. Yeah, yeah. So keep him. I mean, I don't know what they're going to give him as a title. I mean, I don't know how you give a coach that's A and Nate and not very successful 
people um, a a job in the organization. Like I don't understand that. But regardless, I think he'll be gone. I think they'll be start looking for their their new head coach. Now, the one thing I saw today, and maybe this is accurate or not, but I saw that Matt Rule has decided to stay in college, or is he? What's the deal so, with that? So Matt Rule, uh, he's been. There's been overtures for Matt Rule over the last 48 hours. Because he declined the Browns job, right? He straight up told the Browns to go pound sand. Uh, There's reports that uh, he is the top candidate for the Giants job. Mm -hmm. He's the top candidate for the Panthers job. Uh, He's also in the running uh, for the Dallas job. He plays in Baylor. Waco is right down the road. It's only about a two-hour drive uh, from Waco to uh, Frisco, Texas, in Arlington, where the headquarters is. Uh, But I think... If I had to put money on it, uh, I would put him going to the New York Giants. Uh, he's a New York guy. Uh, he pl- he was uh, offensive line coach in 2012 uh, under Tom Coughlin. And he also worked with Dave Gettleman when Dave Gettleman was the assistant to uh, Ernie Corsi. They have a bit of a working relationship. How good that working relationship is up to debate. Um, you know, we, we work with people all the time that we can't stand, but we still work with them at the end of the day. Um, so that's, that's to be determined, but I think the Maras are ready to anoint, uh, Matt rule as the head coach. If he wants to come through and Matt, if, if Matt rules coming through, that's going to be the international sign that changes are coming to that scouting department, to the assistant, the assistant coach's job. And he's going to have to, he's going to be working with Dave Gettleman for personnel decisions. So that's going to be interesting to see. But I think the Giants need to hit, hit the hard reset button on the front office and, and not just Dave Gettleman. I think Dave Gettleman, you know, he hit a little bit on the previous draft with Saquon Barkley and, and other people in the later rounds. You know, the, 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 it's still a debate about Daniel Jones. You can go back to previous episodes on how I feel about DJ, but they Dexter Lawrence played all 16 games. He looked good. Uh, they traded up for DeAndre Baker in the secondary. He looked decent. Jabril Preppers, he looked better than what he did in Cleveland. It Maybe just a change of scenery is what he needed. And uh, Jimenez, uh, the linebacker, he looked decent at times this year too. I think... Uh, Matt Rule might be the guy that this organization needs. The one job I find fascinating, and it looks like a lot of people are kind of shying away from that job, is the Browns job. Dude, nobody wants to deal with the hassles. Nobody wants to deal with that dysfunction. Nobody wants to deal with Baker himself, I believe. I think he's a big part of this. And now with John Dorsey gone and Freddie Kitchens gone, the clock is ticking on Baker. He needs to perform in 2020, whoever the new GM and the head coach is. The clock is ticking on Baker Mayfield. And all these antics and all this bravado and him telling fans to come down and fight him, it's going to bite him in the ass. And it already is, in my opinion. You know what Baker is? I've said this to our boy, Hercules2424. I've said on record a few times that Baker Mayfield is a sober version of Ryan Leaf. Or Johnny Manziel. Or Johnny Manziel. (laughs) But even Ryan Ryan Leaf was ready to fight reporters in the locker room. And that's... That's basically what Baker Mayfield's doing, and he's taking the bait with Colin Cowherd. Yes, he is. And, and Colin's eating this up. You know like, Colin Cowherd. But the Haslam's, they have, like, what, four general managers and three head coaches on their payroll that aren't even there anymore? Like, dude, who wants that? Who wants that? Yeah. And even John Dorsey did decent a decent job in the draft and some free agent acquisitions. He just missed on the friggin' offensive line, and maybe you should have had Todd Munkin call in plays. Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest indictment on John Dorsey is the fact that he hired Freddie Kitchens. I think that's what did in Freddie Kitchens. At the end of the day, Dorsey... 
if we're realistic about this, he did put some good talent on the field. I mean, yeah. he, he made the moves that needed to be made. He got talent on the field. Now, part of the issue is, and a lot of people back in Ohio, and especially Ohio Sports Radio, um, have been criticizing Dorsey for the fact that, yes, you can put talent on the field, but you also got to have some sort of say in like what how the talent's going to mesh. You know what I'm saying? A lot of that, a lot of the issues in that locker room is the fact that a lot of those, a lot of those players just didn't have the chemistry. Oh. You know? They promoted Baker Mayfield's buddy. Yeah, exactly. And like, you he's know, a, he's, we, he's, I, he's a disciplinarian. We say needs. this all the time. It's like it's not show friends, right? It's show business. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could be buddy buddy with somebody, but at the end of the day, if you're acting like a moron, somebody's got to keep your ass in check. And if you're affecting the team, yeah, somebody's got to keep your ass in check. Somebody got to keep your ass in check. And clearly, Freddie Kitchens wasn't the guy, and he couldn't even play call. There was a report out. I forget the guy's name. I know he was a local reporter for the Cleveland Browns. And he was coming out saying that Todd Munkin uh, in pregame warm-ups would go up to the opposing team and say how much dif- dysfunction there was in the organization. That they would go through walkthroughs and game planning Wednesday through Friday. And come Sunday, Freddie Kitchens is going completely by the wayside and going against that and doing his own going renegade Rambo with the play calling. What they need is they need to somehow land Mike McCarthy. Um I personally would have wished for Baker Mayfield's sake, Ron Rivera would have went there because Ron Rivera is the guy, kind of guy that he needs. Uh, Baker needs somebody to keep him structured, keep him accountable, and Ron Rivera is that guy. Now, second best is McCarthy. Obviously, he's not as good as Rivera. He has his own issues, especially coming from, from Green Bay. Um, but what they cannot do, the Browns, is hire somebody like Josh McDaniels. Uh, I feel like Baker and Odell and Jarvis are going to run all over, ba- all over Josh McDaniels. So... Um, we'll see what how it pans out, but hopefully they don't hire some sort of like young hotshot with some sort of genius. Like you need some leadership there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, moving on to the games, we only have four games in Wild Card Weekend. The first one being the Buffalo Bills versus the Houston Texans. Yep. That's dude. That's gonna be a good game. That's gonna be a great game. It's gonna be a great game. Dude, all these games are great. I think besides uh, the Eagles and the um, Seahawks. Seahawks game, I think all of them are really good games. Yeah. Like I, I, I think Seahawks are gonna blow them out in a, in a way. I'm <laughs> We'll get to that in a little bit. So Buffalo versus Houston, man. Buffalo went into the season finale last week versus Jets with nothing to play for. Um, they All they really were playing for was the 11-5 record, but they lost to the Jets with 10-6. Nothing can happen but them moving up or down. Now, along the way, they rested most of the starters, which is a good thing. Right, but they suffered but they, some injuries. That's my next point. They sustained some key injuries, um, even despite sitting their starters. The starting cornerback, Levi Wallace, seemed to suffer a nasty ankle injury. Yep. I don't like how that looked. Um, offensive lineman Ty Nishkihi, is that his name? Yep, Nishkihi, Nishkihi. Yep. Um, he also hurt his ankle. That was kind of like a re-aggravated old injury. Yeah, I think he might play. Yeah. Now, if the Bills are to win this game, um, I think Josh Allen needs to step up his game. Now, while he's played good this year, uh, I've been a little hard on him, I don't think he's played great. I don't think he's taken that next step that I wish he would have taken. And I think to beat Watson in Houston, you got to come with firepower. And at the end of the day, I just don't think he has that in him to kind of outduel Deshaun Watson. Um, the Texans also played for nothing on Sunday, so O'Brien rested all of his guys um, against the Titans. Uh, the biggest storyline for the Texans heading into Saturday is the return of J.J. Watt. Yep, he's activated. Mm-hmm. He'll be playing. The Texans sorely missed J.J. Watt, man. Ever since he went down in late October with that torn uh, pectoral muscle, they've had issues stopping the run and rushing the quarterback. So hopefully J.J. Watt will come back and provide some sort of oomph in that rush game to the quarterback. Now, but I think even though Watts is coming, Watt is coming back, the real X factor for the for the Texans is Will Fuller. 
is he healthy and can he stay healthy? Mm-hmm. I think Will Fuller, when he's on the field with Deshaun Watson, completely changed the dynamic of that offense. They start airing the ball out like no other. And I don't know what it is. I think it's that old syndrome of maybe you put two people on um, DeAndre Hopkins, and when you have Will Fuller out there, you can't do that, freeze everybody up, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, but if he's healthy, I think that is a juggernaut offense. Uh, at the end of the day, I do not see uh, the Bills going into Houston and beating the, the Texans. Uh, give me Watson and uh, Houston for 35-21. You know what? I'm going to go the opposite. Going with I know, the Bills. You're being that drill, man. Going with the Bills. And I think the Bills' strengths match up perfectly to the, the Texans' weaknesses. What's their biggest what's their biggest weakness? Who? The Texans. What's the biggest weakness? Uh God, uh in regards to offense or defense? Any part of the team. I mean health? <laughs> health is the biggest the offensive line. <laughs> you know? The offensive line is the biggest weakness on that team. Uh, regardless of, you know, Deshaun Watson, we, we can all confirm his greatness. He's, he can run around. He can, he can get the yardage. He can tuck the ball in. He can throw the ball 50 yards down the field as well, too. The guy's got a cannon. But if you put pressure on him, you put pressure on this offensive line, and it's going to come down like a house of cards. And I think this could be another Ed Oliver game. We saw this against the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry World on Thanksgiving. Ed Oliver, he had a couple of sacks. He had a forced fumble. He ran wild on this on the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, which is has been touted over the last couple of years as the best offensive line in the NFL. Now you're facing the one of the worst offensive lines in the league, and I think this defensive front could have a day. You could expect Tre'Davious White to line up on DeAndre Hopkins, like you said about Will Fuller. He could be the X factor, but he was limited in practice today. We're recording on a Tuesday, New Year's Eve. He was limited in practice with a groin injury. He may he may play, he may not. And even if he does play, how long is he going to last? Is he going to make the full game? And I think the Bills have enough firepower to keep this game interesting. I think they could win outright in Houston. Uh, Josh Allen, he's been playing great as of late. He, I think he just needs to keep plays alive with his legs. Cut down on the hero throws. If you don't see John Brown open down the field, who John Brown this year has shown, he can run every route on the route tree, take the easy money underneath, hit hit uh, hit Cole Beasley underneath, go after Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox has looked great coming out of Ole Miss in his rookie year. I think Josh Allen could be in line for a decent day as well too, especially against a bad secondary in the Houston Texans. The over-under in this game is 42.5. Give me the over and give me Buffalo on the road. I think I think in the words of that guy uh, that said Dallas is going down, Houston is going down. Oh wow! Yeah, right. give me Buffalo. Bills Mafia, Lindsey and Alex. I'm the conductor of this Buffalo Bills train this year. Let's go. Dude, I saw those games next year at home for the Bills for our road trip up next year. Yep. There's some really good games. There's some really good games. Oh, my. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All uh, right. Titans-Pats. What do we got? Titans-Pats, man. Listen, as a Patriots fan, I am scared of this Titans team, bro. I am. Because they remind me of what the Patriots were last year, right? This tough physical um, team that runs it down your throat and plays some pretty sound defense. Now, Derrick Henry is the engine for the Titans, right? And he has been for the last two years. Um, He needs to be effective for them to go and win in Foxborough. 
Um, Ryan Tannehill himself is playing great. Uh, he's playing a great, um, not game manager, but he's a little bit above that. Obviously, he's not a great transcendent quarterback, but he's a little bit above that, above that game manager mold. Now, by no means are the Titans perfect um, because lately I've seen some cracks in their defense and some of the kicking game issues that are kind of creeping up. Mm -hmm. um, but they are much better than a 9-7 and seven record team. So um, that's what's scary for me. Now, while I went in fairly hard on the Patriots in the first segment, I'm not going to recap all that. But the Pats need to somehow drastically improve their not wide receiver core, but just like how the effort is being applied on the field by the wide receivers. Like they need to play with more pride, more heart, um, with better killer instinct. Um, the game plan for the Titans going in will be easy. You double or bracket Julian Edelman and you figure out who's going to beat you otherwise. Very simple. That's where the game is going to be won or lost for the Patriots. Who's going to step up beside Julian Edelman? Um, I still have the Patriots winning 24-21 because obviously I'm a Patriots fan and they're my ride and die, but I am super nervous about this game and I can't see the Titans win this, uh, this game in, uh, in Foxborough. Right. And not to recap the Pats, like you said, the, the, the Tennessee side, I mean, Ryan Tannehill has been the hottest quarterback in the NFL the last nine weeks that isn't named Lamar Jackson. I think he's had the top pass rating. He's had a great touchdown to interception ratio. And to think that he was pretty much written off for dead after he was traded out of the Miami Dolphins. And that just, I think, shows the root of the problem with a lot of these people that were from the Dolphins tree, that Adam Gase was the issue. But that's a topic for another day. I think, you know, like you said, Derrick Henry is the guy that drives this offense. I'm not going to lie. I can see Derrick Henry getting 20 touches for 125 yards and two for touchdowns. 25, 30, man. And just running this down the New England Patriots throw. Because this defense has been great up until the last couple of weeks. They've been great. They've been a transcendent defense. But they can be beaten on the ground. And Derrick Henry is a thumper in between the tackles. He's a very physical runner. You can go all the way back to his days at Alabama. This is just what the doctor ordered for the Tennessee Titans. And you factor that in with the play-action uh, opportunity with Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown, who, in my opinion, should be the offensive rookie of the year because A.J. Brown has been one of the better wide receivers in the NFL in his rookie year coming out of Old Miss. I think he could have a day. He makes the most out of the limited volume that he receives. He could get seven targets. He'll catch six of them for 115 yards and two touchdowns. We saw that last week against the Houston Texans. I think... You know, we saw how Stephon Gilmore looked against the John Brown two weeks ago. We saw how he looked against Uncle Vontae, Devontae Parker last week. I think this rookie may be, may be able to take the uh, Stephon Gilmore to school a little bit. I think he will. I think he generally will. I think with that, the amount of weapons, they're kind of sneaky good on offense. With Derrick Henry, Corey Davis, and A.J. Brown, who's their tight end? Then, Even uh, their tight end is uh, fairly good. John uh, Smith. Dude, they have some really good, and their offensive line is good as well. Like, I mean, they're clicking on all cylinders right now. They're coming in hot. They're one of the hotter teams coming into the playoffs. Yep. Um, and I think A.J. Brown is going to have a monster game. I think both Derrick Henry and AJ Green are going to have a monster game. Yep. Uh, the over-under in this game is 43 and a half. Uh, give me the over. Give me the under, man. They're and, not scoring 43 points. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, combined. As I mean, a total. Give even me the, the Patriots are going to struggle just because 17 points. Give me, give me the over in this game uh, and give me Tennessee on the road. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know what the odds makers have seen to give the Patriots four-and-a-half-point favorites? It's, it's experience in their name. Like, it's experience in I their mean, name. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, uh, four-and-a-half. 
If he come down to three, I might give that to you. But four and a half, that's a little bit. That's a little rich. Brennan, I, I don't think I can take back-to-back weekends of the Buckeyes and Patriots losing the playoffs. But you know what? I mean, dude, they, they laid an egg against a 5-11 and 11 team. And the Dolphins I, looked a better team on, on all four I, Listen, this is how bad it's gone for me. I will take the win against the Titans as a good thing. Uh, that's all I want. I just want them to win against the Titans. And then we'll get blown out by Kansas City. And we'll call it a year. It is what it is. But we just can't lose to the Titans. I just can't. I can't fathom that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I I have no problem losing to the upper echelon of the AFC. I get it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are playing at a completely different level right now. I just can't lose to Ryan Tannehill. But we I can play the what if game. What if Mike Vrabel went to Ryan Tannehill earlier in the year? Could they be the upper echelon of the AFC? Because I think they could have. I don't know. Um, well, I guess that's a discussion for a different day. But I'm, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. You know? I don't know. I, don't, I mean. I don't know. Mario has fallen down a deep well. He's not going back out of there. Yeah. All right. Viking Saints. Viking Saints, man. The Vikings are an interesting bunch. Um, they were in the Vikings fan. About to put some wind oh back into your God. sails. Just as I think they have turned the corner and they're kind of the big boy league of uh, of NFL, uh, NFC, I'm sorry, NFC upper echelon teams, they lose in remarkable fashion two weeks ago versus Green Bay. They had like seven first downs, some ridiculous number uh, two weeks ago against the Packers on Monday Night Football. Now, this past week, they had nothing to really play for versus the Bears, so the starters rested. Eventually, the Vikings lost 21-19. Now, I believe no team is entering the playoffs with less juice than the Vikings right now. And lucky for them, they get to go play the Saints in Thunderdome. So it's not a good situation all the way around for the Vikings right now. To win this game, the Vikings need to change fundamentally who they are. Obviously, they're great at running and play action off of that. But to beat the Saints in the Thunderdome, you're going to have to average about 40 points or more. Um, And that's going to put a lot of burden on Captain Kirk to make some pretty big throws and carry them with his arm. I don't think he can do that. Sorry, Aaron, the Vikings fan. The Saints, on the other hand, do they look good? <laughs> do they they look really good? Um, they are the three seed, but I think they deserve much better than that. They absolutely demolished the Panthers uh, in Week 17. It was 35-0 at halftime. And it's not just the offense that's playing at an alarmingly good rate. It's the defense that's also playing lights out. Uh, factor in the Saints looking to avenge the Minneapolis Miracle a few years ago. I see no way in hell the Vikings being the Saints. I think this could get ugly. This could be 45 31. Um, the last four weeks, the the Viking, I'm sorry, the Saints have averaged 40 or more, so I believe they're going to hit 45, uh, 40 or more again. So we're, I'm thinking 45, 31. You know what, Aaron? Aaron, the Vikings fan, we're going to put some wind back into your sails. I know Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison has been banged up. It's something worth watching, but Dalvin Cook, he's been sitting out the last two weeks to nurse that chest and shoulder injury, and I know. Mike Boone laid an egg against Green Bay, but man, he looked good last week. He had about 136 yards, rushing yards, and he had two touchdowns. I think if if they're not able to go, them being Cook and Madison, I think Mike Boone could pick up the slack in this game. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, along the defensive line, they're suffering a lot of key injuries. Uh, one cat, uh, he's out with a broken arm. Another guy has a knee issue. Uh, they're, they're suffering big issues on that defensive line, even with you know, the Cam Jordans of the world being on that line to anchor that defense. I think you could still run on this team. Uh, Mike Zimmer is going to try to establish the run, and I think they're in a good position to do so. And even the New Orleans secondary, even with the addition of Janoris Jenkins, who, you know, said a couple of slur words to eject himself out of the New York Giants and get picked up by the Saints on waivers, 
I still think the secondary can be had when you've seen Eli Apple line up against number twos. Uh, he's had issues with the passing interference and all this other stuff. I think this could be a dig stealing Herb Smith, Kyle Rudolph kind of day because I do think they have the weapons on the outside at the pass catching position to make things interesting for this defense, especially with the play action play uh, that they're going to try to establish. Uh, and it's going to come down to, you know, to Captain Kirk. Is he going to show up as Captain Kirk or is he going to be like Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports says, Kirby Cousins? Like, it's a big time game. Kirk needs to show up and show he's worth the $84 million that has been guaranteed. The Saints side, if they're going to succeed, you know, we've seen the Michael Thomas's of the world. We see Jared Cook come alive as of late. The, uh, you know, the, the what, Taysom Hill, who's Taysom Hill, the, yeah. the ultimate vulture in fantasy football come alive but Kamara if he's going to succeed he needs to get in space because the Minnesota Vikings are great at stopping the run I think this could be a bad day at the office if they're just expecting Kamara and Latavius Murray to run between the tackles they need to get Kamara in space uh to to stretch the field out you know we all know that the ball is going to Michael Thomas but I think the same uh, the the Minnesota Vikings even with how bad that secondary has been at times they're going to do whatever they can to cover Michael Thomas and make somebody else beat them. And if that means it's Old Man Ginn or Jared Cook or Alvin Kamara in space to do so, I think that's the case. And I think you just take take the easy money if you're if you're the Saints. Now, with all that being said, the over under is forty eight and a half in this game. But give me the over and give me Minnesota on the road. Oh my I just god, think, you're picking all the upsides. I think huh? Dalvin Cook. He can. He's going to be in line for a decent game. If he's able to play, and if he's not, I think Mike Boone could have a decent day at the office. And I just, I just got a vibe. I, I can't, a vibe. I can't wait for the accountability uh, segment next week. And that's fine. The Bills, the Titans, and the Vikings in the third. Oh, All it's right. gonna get better with the okay. last game, man. Um, Seattle Seahawks versus Philadelphia Eagles. Man, poor Seattle, losing in cinematic fashion, truthfully, on Sunday Night Football against the 49ers um, on the six-inch line. That had to hurt. On top of that, they lost a division as well in the process. Now, congratulations. You get to fly halfway across the United States to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Halfway to fly the whole goddamn length. Who's a 9-7 and team. (laughs) Now, what concerned me the most about the Seahawks was... Um, they could have won that game, but it took an inexcusable delay of game on the last drive, which ultimately cost them the game. Like, that's just bad coaching and bad awareness by the quarterback. Um, I think uh, this is something bigger that Pete Carroll... Listen, Pete Carroll's a great coach, but occasionally you'll see small mistakes like this here and there. It's like, dude, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like calling timeouts after incomplete passes. Exactly, right? (laughs) Now, three weeks ago, the Seahawks were one of my dark horse teams to come out of the NFC. But with all of the injuries and the fact that they're on a two-game losing skid right now, I don't have much confidence in them. Um, now, I believe what needs to happen for them to win in Philadelphia is they need to somehow generate some sort of offense that isn't coming from Russell Wilson himself, right? Um, obviously, they have an issue with their depleted running back room right now. 
but they need about 60, 70 yards of offense from those guys in the running back core. They need maybe another 30, 40 yards from jet sweeps and wide receivers. Just any sort of offense that isn't driven by Russell Wilson. Why do I say that? Because that vaunted Philadelphia defensive line is the strength of their team in my mm-hmm. eyes. Like that defensive line will get after Russell Wilson and they got to do whatever they can to make sure he's not back there for two seconds trying to have a middle of the field route developed. So whatever the offense uh, can produce that isn't coming from Russell Wilson is going to be great um, in the chances of winning. Now for the Eagles themselves, man, what an incredible ride the last four weeks. Um, they have won uh, four straight games to get into the playoffs. Now granted, a lot of those wins are got some pretty bad <laughs> NFC East teams, but you can only play who's on your schedule, right? They were 5-7 and seven a month ago coming off a horrendous loss against Miami and everybody mm-hmm. had buried them a month ago. But they somehow turned it around. And I'm going to give props to them and I'm going to give props to the person that is one of the main reasons behind that and that's Carson Wentz. The guy is playing out of his mind. Here's a great stat that I saw today. Um, the Eagles became the first team in NFL history to have a 4,000-yard quarterback without a 500-yard wide receiver on the roster. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so Their number one wide receiver is a guy that used to play for the San Antonio Commanders. Yeah, it's pretty bad right now. Uh, so two things need to happen for the Eagles to win. So that defensive line has to put in work and cause all kinds of havoc for Russell Wilson. And somehow Zach Ertz with his, you know, hurt ribs and his kidney, lacerated kidney, needs to be a, not just play but be effective while he's playing. Um, I think the first thing can happen with the defensive line causing havoc, but I don't think the second is going to be there for Carson Wentz. And I think that's why Seattle will win on the road, 28-24. All right. Go with the Eagles. Gonna explain why. We were completely opposite in every single pick. Yep. Yes, we were. That that's what makes the podcast great. Accountability segment next week. And that's fine. I'll own the damn thing. Now listen, if Seattle wants to win, this secondary for the Eagles, they've been a gas can all year. That's if if we were playing a drinking game, every time I say gas can, you'd be taking a shot. You'd probably be dead on the floor from alcohol poisoning. Because every time we talk about the Eagles, I say the magic word. They've been terrible in the secondary, and they lost a couple of their air quote key guys like Ronald Darby to season-ending injuries with a hip issue or there's a knee issue or all this other stuff. But this defense has been decent the last four games, uh, you know, to get into the playoffs. But I think if Russell Wilson wants to air it out to the Tyler Lockett's of the world, the DK Metcalf's, who's established himself as a bona fide wide receiver in the NFL in his rookie year, and the uh, the Hollisters of the world at tight end, I think he could have his day if he's willing to air the ball out. Uh, but they're really missing them being the Seahawks. They're really missing that running game without Chris Carson. Uh, I mean, uh, Homer, Lynch, and and Russell Wilson combined for 30 rushes at 125 yards last week on a, on a good day. That's a Chris Carson stat line, uh, and you have three people combining for that. Uh, they could have an uphill battle against this, this front four. They've been stout against the run. The Eagles side, despite the fact they don't have a number one wide receiver, Zach Ertz has a cr- uh, fractured rib and a lacerated kidney. I still like what they've been able to do. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders, he's been great down the stretch. Injury worth monitoring. Uh, he has a low ankle sprain as of today. They're really just trying to deal with the inflammation at this point. But like I said, your number one wide receiver is coming from the defunct AAF from my team, the San Antonio Commanders. And, you know, your point of Zach Ertz needs to step up. Well, Dallas Goddard has step up, stepped up in the games 
uh, this season as well, too. And I think he's had Carson Wentz's eyes at times. Mm-hmm. And he, and he's looked decent even against the, the, the New York Giants last week. I think he could fill that role if Zach Ertz is not full go in this game. And Boston Scott has established himself as a decent running back uh, down the stretch as well, too. And that's why I'm saying... One, the Philadelphia Eagles could be one of the most dangerous teams in the in the playoffs right now because they've been coming alive at the right time and they're they're being overlooked by the NFL with their promo videos and all this other stuff. Uh, and the over under in this game is forty six. Give me the over and give me Philadelphia at home despite the injuries Let's to the most dangerous. Say game. Philadelphia wins. Do they beat the 49ers on the road? You know what? If anybody was to play the undercard, the underdog card, this is the perfect team because they have literally practice squad people and, you know, rookie and sophomore folks on their roster right now that made that had them go to the playoffs. And I think that's a true testament to the coaching staff, to the coaching staff and Carson, Carson Carson Wentz. And what's the difference between Carson? He's been Mr. Glass, but he's been stellar since that loss against the Miami Dolphins in a game where he had three touchdowns and one pick since then. He's had seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's been, well, it's fascinating. You look in that division itself and you see a team in the Eagles with a depleted roster, right? But great coaching and great quarterbacking. But you look at a team down in Dallas in that same in that same division that has a wealth of abundance of talent on that roster, mm-hmm. but doesn't have the coaching and the leadership, and doesn't have. I'm, I've I've kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit on Dak as well. I used to be high on him, but I do see what people are starting to say about him. I do understand that that notion of if everything isn't going perfect, he can't get it done. I've been very disappointed in some of his some of his performance this year. So it's just two great like you know. Two, gay, two great um, you know scenarios there where one team is you know depleted but has great coaching and a great quarterback and the other team has great talent but doesn't have the coaching and the mm-hmm. quarterback so it's just interesting how that panned out and I was hoping I was praying to God somehow the Cowboys did not get into the playoffs because I just lo- I just lo- I just love it I love the Cowboys hysteria you know what I'm saying right. it's, it's absolutely hilarious <laughs> right no nope, same here I was here for the Stephen A Smith takes the Stephen A Smith enjoys that to a to a different level you know mm-hmm. my God facts. All right, Jay. That's all I got. Game all right. previews. Dude, we are in uh, playoff football. You know, part of uh, last night I was texting you, uh, dude, it's kind of weird sitting down on Monday night and not watching football. Mm-hmm. It's like I was. it's one Monday and I'm going through withdrawals. Oh, it was like that meme of uh, Will Smith and, you know, what, what the hell is that damn show? Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yeah, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. Where he's standing in the empty room and he's looking like, around. Where's everybody at? Yeah. yeah. That's what I felt like yesterday. Um, well, on the plus side, you get to catch up on 90 Fiance here soon once the NFL season's over, right? I do. You know yeah. what? You, you Tara, watched an episode. Tara's getting the fiance back, yep, right? She's getting the fiance <laughs> back. She's, she's going to be happy about that. I think I was here in the summer when like, we were watching like um, training camp or some bullshit before the season started. And you're like, all right, hon, I'll see you in February. Yep. It's, it's a fact. It's a fact. But. All right. Um, cool. Uh, thank you guys so much. Happy New Year. If you're listening to this after the first, um, we hope you guys have a healthy, safe, prosperous 2020. Yep. Likewise. Uh, thank you for being on this crazy journey. Real quick before we cut it off, going to plug it up. Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter, at BFR Podcast. Um. Available on Twitter at Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. 
like my co-host, my brother just said, thank you for being on this journey. Hope you guys have a happy, prosperous 2020. Happy New Year, folks. I totally forgot to hit on the fact that I got my intern back and he let my book for me. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure a couple of people that you work with are going to hear. That's something else. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Bye, Cundios.